Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, this week we are talking about episode 214 of Leverick, The Three Strikes Job. Beth, what did you think? First of all, very quick shout out. Elliot's hair in this episode. Yes. It is full of volume. It is full of body. He looks like that one gif of that cow. Yes. So, <laughs> do you remember? I think it was either it was either 201 or 202. We were mm. talking about Elliot's hair. Because I was like, the next ep- I think it was 201. Because I'm mm-hmm. like, the next episode is a big Elliot's hair episode. So you're like, oh, like that gif of the cow. And I'm like, yes. Not I, the oh. next episode, but there is an episode. This is the episode I was thinking of. I love that I the made the same joke twice. I really am just... A stuck record. <laughs> you can tell me being on Tumblr. They have two yeah. jokes there. Like, You're so correct. They are funny jokes, though. Yeah. So that's the main but thing. But no, the fluff of the hair in this episode is something else entirely. Mm-hmm. Yes. I also want to very briefly talk about, I think there is a really quite a strong correlation or like a parallel that you can draw between this episode of Leverage and the 1973 Martin Scorsese film Gone Crow. Yeah. I feel like... I, I mean Sorry, my mispronunciation. Yeah. I'm terrible. Russian. Yes, um, I apologize for offending anyone out there. But yeah. I do think... Like, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Yeah, like, I don't think we need to elaborate on that no. point. I think it stands for itself. Yeah, it's like, it's just the betrayal and mm. like, the mm-hmm. idea of being sold out by someone that you are yeah, trying exactly. to it's, sell out. It's exactly like it's the, the double scene cross with, of the double with Katya. Yeah. Yeah. And the cigarette. Yeah. 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 See? Same brain. Same brain. Everyone knows what we're talking about. Okay. No need to elaborate. Before we get too far into Gonshirov rule. We're going to spiral. This is not a Gonshirov podcast. That is, do you know what? That could be our next. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it as a bonus. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to just quickly point out, because there, you know how I've been saying all season, there are things earlier in the season that foreshadow this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you remember in... Uh, was it 203? The Order 23 job mm-hmm. is set in Belbridge, Massachusetts. Oh. Yes. So you remember how I was saying, like, it's, like, settings that are coming up mm. and how, like, the cops are very specifically mentioned to be corrupt in that episode yeah. because of the side plot with the abusive father. Right. Yeah. Same setting. Do you know what is really – what is really mm-hmm. – the thing that I love so much about foreshadowing, mm-hmm. right, is that if it's done well – you don't notice no. it until you rewatch or you yep. reread or you re whatever it is that you're doing. And if you had not told me that now, I would I had no recollection of that. Yep. It's been weeks and weeks since I watched that yep. episode. I like even watching it to keep track of this kind of stuff, no like straight over my head. Yep. Yep. However, if I then went back and rewatched this season, I'd be like, fuck off. No, you didn't. Yep. Like and so that we, is the thing that we is so already good. know that it's corrupt. We've been given that information. 10 episodes ago. That's so fun. And it's so... The narrative cohesion becomes really, really abundant when you can find, like, foreshadowing like that. Or even, like, callbacks. Like, this episode, Mm. I don't think you can call it foreshadowing all of the jokes that have been about the van this season. But But it is. I don't know if I can call it foreshadowing. I would argue that the stuff that happens in this episode regarding the van is a callback versus foreshadowing. Mm. On, only on the basis that it's not actually a plot point. No, yeah. It's just Hardison's attachment to the van yeah. and the way that he's been defending it all season. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I would say it's not foreshadowing, but it's definitely a callback that is so fun and will make me sad on rewatch watching Hardison defend Lucille only to know about Lucille's imminent demise, you know? So there are all of the, these little things that have set this plot line up all season. 
Yeah, no, and also, um, obviously, very end of the episode, Sterling with yep. Interpol. Like, yep. I knew that was coming because yep. you had you know, I, told me that. This is yeah. for later. Yeah, exactly. And, and oh obviously, if they're making Sterling Interpol, there's a reason why he needs actual authority. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's... Oh, God, I just love Mark Shepard. I know every single time I see him, I say the same thing. Did you spot his names in the opening credits this week, or...? Oh, I don't know that I did. Because sometimes I, I know you're like, I like I spotted his name and I was sitting there vibrating the entire yeah, time waiting for him to show up. I must not have noticed because normally if mm. I do, I put a big note in all caps like, Mark Shepard, because I'm excited. But I must not have. Because yeah. if I had, I would have probably messaged yeah. you and been like, oh my God. Um, but yes, I was so excited when he showed up at the end. And God, I just love his performance. And again, I know I've said this before, but like Sterling and Crowley are so one and the same. I yeah. 1 million percent understand why there are so many crossover fix. I am so tempted to engage in one myself. So, like, I see it. It's beautiful. It's just, mwah. and I'm so excited. I didn't realize, I think you told me, but I did forget that this episode was a to be continued. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I did know that at some point, but I forgot. And I am so excited to this see is... the next episode. And this this is why, like, the first, like, the first ep- season, season finale is, like, a bit of a letdown. Because, like, imagine if they'd done almost the same thing in the first season. Like, maybe yes. not necessarily ending with, like, Sterling showing up, but when they were all caught and they ended the episode, then it's, like, a compelling to be continued. Yeah. Like, more compelling than what they actually did. Whereas this one, I think they ended at the perfect time. Because mm-hmm. Sterling shows up, you know shit's about to get fucked because you've seen Sterling before. Yeah, but it's not just that, like, the plot stuff is about to get fucked. The relationships, like, that they all have are in such turmoil right now because Nate is screwing everything up and everyone he is, is pissed. spiraling. So badly. He is, and he doesn't have Sophie, no. who he would normally mm-hmm. have as his crutch, who he would normally, like, listen to like she would be the one that could cut through his crap Mm -hmm. and he doesn't have it he doesn't have anyone that he will listen to to be held accountable and this and like sophie's the person he trusts to pull him out of the spiral and sophie's not there so it's like the rest of the team are trying to pull him out of the spiral Mm -hmm. and none of the rest of the team are sort of in a position to be able to call him on his bullshit in a way Mm -hmm. that he will listen to yeah because that's the key they're all telling him Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is a bad idea. Yeah. They're telling him this is, like, it's too much. We can't do it. It's, like, they're giving them the reasons. Yeah. And he's, like, no, 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 And he's getting so angry. And, like, because for him it's personal. Mm. There is a son involved. There is hospitals involved. It's triggering all of we his trauma. But, again, with that motherfucking flashback, <laughs> I thought we were finally free. I thought, and do you know what? Time has not made me hate it less. I may have softened on Nate as a character. I've even softened on the concept of Nate and Sophie as an item. But I will never not hate that fucking flashback. It fucking pains me. It is bad. It's so bad. It is so bad. <laughs> no arguments there. The flashback is bad. I'm gl- we can't was, agree on much in these podcasts, was, but I'm so I glad that we can. I'm like, that. oh fuck, I forgot that they bring back the flashback here. I, I think this is the last time we do see the flashback. Thank fuck. I think. Obviously, <laughs> so I, annoying. I might be forgetting another instance of it, but as far as I can remember, I I can't think of. Oh, there's maybe one other episode that there might be. It might be. Do you know what? It's fine. When that episode comes, I will have this exact same reaction yeah. and then we mm-hmm. will move on. Yeah, but I, I do reckon the other episode that I'm thinking of, I reckon you will love that episode. Oh, 
Interesting. That is an episode that slaps, and I think you will love it. Okay. I think you'll hate if I if it if it does. I can't remember if it does or doesn't. It's just the only episode that I can think of that's relevant to this. Like that has any sort of hints of this sort of stuff. It's the only one they could theoretically put the flashback in, and it makes sense. Okay. Well, <laughs> exactly. You know we will we will go on this journey, and we will find out together. We absolutely. What a wonderful will. time for us. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So. While we're on Nate, I obviously he has continued drinking, which I'm going to be honest, it's removing the podcast curtain for a hot minute. We've had a couple of weeks where we haven't been recording because we had just like, we JB went to a con. It was very exciting. I had my uh, university exam. So less exciting. Less exciting. But you know, we, we had other things happening. So it's been, it's been a couple of weeks uh, since we last actually sat down and watched or, or did a recording. And I forgot that Nate was drinking again mm-hmm. i had forgotten that yeah. and so i was it kind of hit me like a fucking frying pan to the yeah. face coming back to this episode because i was like oh my god he's back to that character that i don't like and yeah. like i went into it being like oh cool nate like because i kind of got used to him yeah right? it was kind of like oh yeah he's all right and now i was like oh no so i i want to talk about it because first of all i remember that you told me way back in like season one when we, i was first saying how much i hate him and you were saying that, you know, it's they always make a point when yeah. he is drunk versus sober. And like, you know, you said later in the series, it is always a point that he is drunk. It's yeah. a point that he's drinking. And I understand what you were talking about because this episode is very much like the whole thing is so undercut with this. He's drunk and that's such a problem. And yeah. it's really, really highlighting all of the issues that are associated with that, both for him personally, but also for the team at large and also for everyone in the general vicinity of them. Like the people they are trying to help, the people they are trying to screw over, like the general public, like everyone is impacted by his. And I think the other thing that is like the first season, they sort of dealt with it because that's all they'd known. Yes. They now, like you, they so got used yes. to sober Nate. And now it's like he's back to the person that he was, mm-hmm. but he's now somehow less in control than he was previously. Yeah. Because previously, Sophie was there to stabilize him while he was drunk. Yeah. Sophie's not there anymore. And Tara, Tara can feel Sophie's role in many ways, but she can't. She doesn't have the personal connection. No, she's yeah. not. She's their like yeah. a business partner. She's not she their like Sophie's professional commitments, but yes. she doesn't fulfill Sophie's personal commitments. Not that, and this is the other thing. Yeah. I think that it really highlights the fact that Sophie was doing so much more than was actually like I mean contractually required of yeah. her. Like she was performing this emotional labor that was just entirely like she didn't have to be doing that. And that Nate should not be expecting it of her. And he's calling her in this episode. He calls her, he says that he's leaving the fourth message. And then he calls her a fifth time. Like, she has told him that, you know, she needs space, whatever. And up until this point, he was respecting that boundary and actually trying to stop the rest of the team from from bothering her. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's like a really, really interesting shift to show that, like, he's spiraling, like you said. And actually, I had a note that was like, he he doesn't feel like a high functioning alcoholic right now. Like no. in the first season, he w- he felt like he was high functioning because a lot of the time you couldn't really, you, you can tell that he was drunk except yeah. that you knew, like you knew, yeah. but you, unless they were making a point of the fact of it, you were like, oh, that's just how he is. He doesn't feel like a high functioning alcoholic right now. He feels manic. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, he's spiraling. And so I think it's really interesting that, you know, he is reaching out for Sophie because Sophie was there for him before 
but he needs to be able to sort of find like it is I'm going to like very quickly rewind. It is very important and good to reach out to people when you need yes. help. I want to caveat that. However, you you can't depend on no. other people exclusively to f- help regulate you. You need to be able to self-regulate. It is good to be able to rely on your support systems support and system. ask yes. for help. Mm-hmm. But also other people have things happening in their lives too. And because everyone has their own issues – you can't necessarily always expect them to help you over helping yeah. themselves. You, for friend, this goes for a lot of things. Like obviously, yes, if you are if you are struggling, you know the best thing you can do is reach out to the people around you in your support network and say, "Hey, I'm not doing well for whatever reason. I need some help, or I need to cut back, or I need some extra support, or however, whatever in whatever circumstance, however that looks." But it's important that whatever your coping mechanism is or whatever your strategy is to get through this rough spot doesn't entirely hinge on another person because that's just not practical. And And it's it's not fair on them. It's not fair on them. And it's also not guaranteed. Because then if something happens like this, where for some reason that person is uncontactable or for some reason, you know, they have something else going on or they go on holiday, you know, you you need to be able to have other strategies to help manage rather than yep. being so reliant on one thing. Anyway, this is getting a little bit self-helpy, so maybe <laughs> we need to... Um, move right along. Move right along. I do very quickly have one other note. I think that you will enjoy this one. It's just my note. I, okay, I don't. Yeah. It doesn't really need expansion. It is the part where he talks back and says, I'm not a thief. And mm-hmm. so I said, I'm not a thief. So we're drinking and in denial. That's yeah. a good combo. Call it the Dean Winchester special. <laughs> so it felt appropriate. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's actually hitting on something much deeper than you thought. Oh, <laughs> so I thought I was making a funny little teehee joke. You were making a funny little teehee joke. To be your fair. eyes nearly popped out but, of your head. <laughs> so you've actually accidentally stumbled upon the entire theme of Nate's arc for the season. Oh, which is he's in denial about being a thief. That That is is kind of Sam coded, really. That is that is his arc this season. Um, and next episode we do get a conclusion to that arc. Okay. That I find incredibly satisfying. Excellent. But that is something that if you ever decide, oh, I want to rewatch Leverage and Uh I want to rewatch Leverage from a deeper perspective, rewatch this entire season through the lens of Nate is in denial about who he is at this point in his life. I love that. That's that is his entire arc for the season. His entire arc is about being in denial about what he's doing. And we get it really, really prominently in the Zanzibar marketplace job. Yeah. When um he's talking to Maggie and he says to Maggie, I am not a criminal. And Maggie goes, like, but you are. Like, I like this version of you. It's a real shame that you don't yeah. like this version of you. Like you you're drinking again, so, like, obviously something is wrong because you're drinking again and, like, all of these sort of things. Yeah. And so she specifically calls that out. So Nate's denial of being a criminal this season is very, very prominent, very, mm-hmm. very much. And we do get resolution for that one next episode. So I won't tell you how they resolve it, but I will say that we do get resolution and that is something going into next episode that you're probably going to want to watch for. Yeah. Okay. Just because that it is it is the thesis statement for Nate's character development. Cool. This right. season. I did not mean to be that deep. I thought it was just a funny little ha-ha. But 
I am glad that I mentioned it because now going into the next episode, I would And I didn't want to bring it up until you'd spotted it yourself. Yeah. You no, know what I mean? Okay. Like, um, though, if you do want a funny little teehee moment, uh, do you smell soup? <laughs> we all know how much I love Hardison putting on a little bit. Fibers of crime, this, God damn it. This is the funniest. It's my favorite aspect of leverage. I would watch a super cut of just every time Hardison is gently bullying someone while pretending to be someone he's not. It's so funny. Like the way that he, when they're on the floor and they're crawling around, and I don't even know what that cop's name is, but like. I don't think they give him a name. He's trying his damnedest. He is putting in, and he you know ties he the grasshopper leg or whatever. The cop in um, Yellow Fever from You're so correct. Who's, like, really flustered about, like, Who, Dean being FBI or whatever. Yeah, you are so correct. 100%. I think his name is Linus. Yeah. Or Lionel. I don't, I don't know. Like but, that. like, that's, that is, like, I was like, oh, I was watching it, I was watching it again today. I'm like, oh, that actually kind of reminds me of, like, the cop character in, in that. Yes. No, you are 100% uh, correct. Yeah. It's it's excellent. I just think it's so funny when Hardison bullies people. Like, it's it's just hilarious. Oh, although, quick turn. I love when Hardison plays a role because it's usually fucking funny. Yeah. Right? He's hilarious. But in this episode, he puts on that he has like the hostages or whatever. Yeah. He sounds scary yeah. as hell. I don't think I have ever been intimidated by Hardison. Yeah. Like, in the sense that like he reminded me of the way that people are usually into, like he, he's intimidating in the sense that I'm like, he's super intelligent and so capable. And yeah. that is intimidating in any sense. Like all of them are intimidating in their own fields mm-hmm. because of that. He was intimidating in a way that was like, Oh, he would fuck me up. Like, you know, and that usually I'm used to that from like Elliot. Yeah. But I was really surprised because especially, like, having that in an episode where we did already have him be so, like, yeah. lighthearted, comedic, and, you know, telling this this officer, like, you're going to change the world. You go do your best or, like, whatever. And he, like, it's so mm. funny. And then you just have this switch where he's, like, talking to the FBI and he's, like, we will kill the hostages. And I was, like, Jesus Christ. But kudos, kudos to um, Aldous Hodge because... It's flawless. I believe him implicitly in both scenarios. And if I was the cop, I would behave exactly the way that the cop did in this episode. And if I was the FBI lady, I would take him as deadly seriously as she did. While we're on Hardison, I want to talk about when he is getting out the like FBI jackets and stuff or the uh, crime scene investigator jackets. Or the windbreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Elliot says, oh, you spend your, like, weekends up doing this, don't you? And he says it with such disdain. I'm like, okay, first of all, Elliot, you should be fucking grateful that he does. Second of all, I do love the implication that they get weekends off. Yeah. Like, I love... <laughs> Everyone knows leverage is like basic nine to five, you know, nothing. Right? I just think that is so funny. They're, like, only Monday to Friday, nine to five. Like, if they have to go to a job at 3 a.m., they get paid overtime. Like, they're getting paid time and a half hilarious concept to me but i do also love that parker is like i love the costumes i'm like oh that's so cute and like hardison's little smile when she says that she likes them and it's just so sweet and i i love that they make a point of hardison saying like you know yeah i do 
and you guys like are fucking ungrateful like never get any fucking thanks for it and i was like yeah you fucking tell him because he should be grateful do you know how much harder this would be if he didn't spend his weekend smoking those like shut up elliot shut up although i did also love elliot this episode i love that he's such a nerd not that he would ever admit it but he's such a motherfucking nerd <laughs> And he loves baseball because he's good at it and he's getting validation and he has a little team and it's so cute. Wait until he learns Klingon. Stop it. No, he doesn't. He does. Okay. Sorry. I am like feel like I am just steamrolling no, right okay. ahead. While we're talking about Hardison though. Okay. Moment of silence for Lucille. R.I.P. You will be missed. Um, as Hardison says, you said she gone stank. She doesn't stink. She just has a smell. <laughs> I was surprised how sincere Hardison's little impromptu, like, eulogy was when he was, like, remote controlling Lucille off to, like, be exploded. Like, he's genuinely actually upset about the van. And the thing is, I think he is upset about the van. But I also think it's not about the van. It's about what the van represents. Like, it is about the fact that the only reason they are having to blow up Lucille yeah. is because, as he says at the end of the episode, Nate didn't listen to any of them. He screwed the con. He fucked everything up. And now they're losing out. Like, Nate hasn't lost anything, but Hardison has lost his van. And he loves his van. Also, it's 100% like his, like, quote that's like, I always have been and you always shall be my friend. Yeah. Star Trek quote. Aww. Man, maybe I should watch Star Trek. Anyway, um, this show has many, many references, most of them to either Star Trek or Doctor Who. Love that. One final note about Hardison for me. He is pissed, and I agree. <laughs> like, when he gets in the car at the end of the episode, like, he's fully just being like, no, I'm not going to get in the car with you. And I'm like, okay, you, you have to, but I fully understand why he's so fucked off. And I fully understand him basically telling Nate to get fucked without mm. saying get fucked because of censorship on the network. But but also Nate's response of like you like let's priorities, let's get somewhere safe and then you mm-hmm. can bitch me out. Like Yeah. Actually that. relatively respectable response, particularly given what headspace he is in. Yeah. Oh, actually I lied. I have one more point on Hardison yeah. that is also relevant to this. Hardison makes a point when they're talking about the fact that it's, like, corrupt police and, like, one of the policemen got shot and stuff, and he says something to the effect of, like, you're going to drop us in with all of these, like, really high-strung, like, trigger-happy cops who are all paranoid. And, like, Hardison has way more of a reason to be concerned about mm-hmm. being in that scenario than any of the others do. And, and we know the they... writers are aware of it because they've already acknowledged it this season yeah. in the three days of the Hunter job. Yeah, and the fact that Nate like disregards this entirely and like just kind of steamrollers and it's like it's not a worry like don't worry about it Mm. i'm like oh it's like that for me i think was another thing that just highlighted like and it's part of i think what builds to harrison being so fucked up because he's like you have not been listening to my or anyone's super valid concerns that impact us more than they're going to impact you this entire con and look where it's gotten us yeah And, you know, I think that, yeah, it sort of all collectively came to a head really, really nicely, I think. Also, while we're talking about Hardison, he spent 13 hours making that ad. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. (laughs) So funny. I also love that Elliot liked it. Yeah. Because I was expecting him to hate it. (laughs) Nah, Elliot is down. 
Elliot is down. Like, mm-hmm. Elliot is so, like, he loves that fucking stupid energy drink commercial ad. It's I just so want to know how Hardison got the footage of Elliot to make it. I was thinking that. I was like, did he, did he just, like, somehow, like, superimpose Elliot's face onto, like, a different, I, I have no idea how he achieved it, but it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I love that when Elliot, like, rewatches it, he does, like, a little dance. Like, he does, like, a little jingle. And I just think it's very fun. Also, Hardison being so surprised that Parker speaks Spanish. Oh, Like, yeah. they're doing, like, the accent bit and ringing up all, like, the sports radio stations. Hilarious, like, by the way. Like, incredible. I just think they should be called the weasels. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that it's such a good tactic. Like, mm. it's so simple. It's just, That's like, so spreading effective. this little rumour, like, yeah. yeah. In there. It's just so clever. I re- mm-hmm. It's really fun. Oh, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. This is more to do with, like, the plot. And granted, I'm not a sports person. Mm-hmm. I don't go to stadiums. I yeah. be- Like, I've been to some for, like, you know, events or whatever. Like, and to see some sports. But I don't make a habit of it. Does it seem like a weird place to put particularly a baseball field next to a giant body of water? Not really. Okay, for me that feels weird because, one, it's not a sport that requires water. Like, mm. I understand if it was, like, I don't know, kayaking or a triathlon or something yeah. they were setting up. Like, that would make sense. But it confuses me because what if they hit the ball out of the park? Does it just go into the so, water? Yes, probably. Which, I mean, but I also guess- to hit it out of the park, you have to get over, like... I guess so. Fences are that are shit tons high. I don't really know much about baseball either. Mm, true. Right? The Neither most, do I. The mm. most I know about baseball comes from Wii Sports. <laughs> I was always so bad at baseball and Wii I Sports. Was, I quite liked it, actually. It was one of my favourite ones. I used to do, because I was... I was quite good at the tennis on Wii Sports. Me too. I loved the tennis. But baseball, I was shit. Oh, uh, I quite liked it. I Oh, do you know what my favourite was, though? The boxing. Uh, the boxing was the shit. That was, was lit. so fun. Mm. Dude, do you want to play Wii Sports later? Hell yeah. I've got it. Yeah. We can I yeah. also have Wii Fit and I kind of want to set it up because I want to do the hula hooping. I haven't Hell done it yeah. right. I haven't done it in so long and I'm like, oh, wanna bring back some. Wanna nostalgic. play Wii Sports together? Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, this is irrelevant. I think here's what got yeah. me, right? Is that originally at the press conferencey thing that the mayor was doing for the re-election. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how at the waterfront he was going to build, like, an esplanade and, yeah. like, mall or, like... Or I think the idea is that they do both. And I... Is that they have the, sort of, the massive baseball stadium okay. be there. And then all around it you have all of these, like, restaurants oh, and businesses and that. Okay. So that when people are going to watch the baseball, they'll go for dinner beforehand. They'll... Right. You know, like, or because lunch or I'm, whatever. I don't know what time they fucking play baseball. I'm imagining one or the other. Because, like, yeah. we're obviously, like, we live yeah. in a country where it's a lot of the culture is to do with the beach. Like, especially, like, in, like, you know. I don't think anyone's going swimming in the river. Yeah. You know, and so in my mind, I'm imagining, like, when you walk down the beach and you've got, like, obviously the beach on one side and then on the other side of, like, a street or whatever, you've got cafes and yeah. you've got, like, little delis and shops yeah. and and that's what i'm imagining and so i was like where does a fucking baseball field fit into that but i suppose it's just a different yeah it's sort of just like the centerpiece and then you'd have all of like the shops and that all surrounding it and that yeah it's, it's also all... much more city like i guess yeah. i'm imagining like a beach town yeah. i'm not imagining like no. in a city yeah yeah okay so it's just the, my perception is yeah okay. it's like so i've always just assumed like the idea was 
you do the baseball stadium, it's Riverside, it draws all the people in and then all of your little businesses that you have sort of yeah scattered around and all of the little restaurants and cafes and that that are sort of attached to the baseball field all yeah. benefit because they're all riverfront and you can have like nice restaurants and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that sits with me better then because I was just confused. I was like... I or we could like, both be completely wrong and it's fine. Maybe. I, I just thought it was weird to be like, here is your plan for like an esplanade type. Like I was like, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And then he was like, oh, or we could do a baseball stadium. And I was like, yeah. wildly different ideas. <laughs> but I think, yeah, so if you've sort of had a combined version mm. where the appeal of, you know, having like a business may want to, a business may be more inclined to set up in that area if you have the draw of the baseball field that makes sense it also means that they could h- charge like a higher premium for rent or for land because yeah. of the so e- economics blah 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 mm. i it makes sense i just was confused that's okay all right i just really want to like i don't know if we have too much to discuss on this one but i really just want to like highlight possibly my favorite line of this entire episode mm. it's a tara line it goes yeah Corruption, so what? All you do, you go on TV, you cry, you apologise, and you get re-elected. It's the American way. Yes. I do. I really love that line. I think it's very funny. I think it's also very sadly true um, in terms of the way scandal normally goes. Okay, while we're also talking about things that are kind of funny and weird, it always weirds me out. Like, there is the scene and the owner goes, I don't know how these rumours get started, but as long as it puts (laughs) fannies in seats, I'm like... I hate the use of the word fanny. Every it's time it's something American, different here. <laughs> it is something different here. It it weirds me out. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is Yeah. I also thought that. I wasn't sure if we were gonna mention it, but um yeah, it means something different here, guys. It's kind of like when we say thongs, yeah, and you think that means something different, similar. I think it means a G-banger, it's not a G-banger. <laughs> and Fanny is not your butt. <laughs> Yes, no, I also hated that line. I'm so glad I wasn't alone in hating that line. Right. Not because it's like a necessarily bad line or anything. It's just that when you're, it's just a cultural difference. Uh-huh. Speaking of confusing things, mm-hmm. right? You're easily confused. I, it's fine. I am so easily confused. Uh, it's a problem. <laughs> so I do feel kind of bad for the mayor, not in general, but just in this one instance, because I'm like, I, if I were you, man, I would be so confused. When Tara and Nate just, like, abruptly, like, get up and leave, like, he has just, they have just donated collectively $20,000 yeah. to his campaign. He's been having, like, a whole sort of impromptu business meeting with them for, like, the last 15 minutes, and all of a sudden, they're like, mm, actually, no, and then they just get up and leave. And he's just standing there watching them go with this look of, like, utter confusion. And I was like, you know what, bro? Same. I would be so lost in that scenario. Like, who gives you $20,000 to your cause? Seems super invested in whatever you have to tell them for, like, a max of 15 minutes. And then it's like, you know what? Actually, I've changed my mind. But keep the money I gave you. Like, what a bizarre concept. Anyway, I didn't really have anything else to say to it. I just... It seemed weird. Yeah. Okay. It's just something that I find really weird. So the guy who plays Kajik, have you ever seen him in anything else before? Remind me who is Kajik. The evil drug gun smuggler dude. Oh that my god, he's covering for. Yes, I was looking at him. And I was like, where the fuck do I know him from? I was trying to figure out if I had seen him earlier on in Leverage. I was like, no, is he, he recurring? No. Is he? No, no. So the reason it's fucking confusing for me is the guy who plays Kajik mm-hmm. is in another show called Arrow. 
another show that Kate Cassidy mm. is also in, who plays Ruby in the first season that Ruby's in, in Supernatural. Oh. He plays Ruby's father in Arrow. Oh, that's wow. Yeah. What I'm a confusing like, triangle. So, of course, Kate Cassidy plays Ruby in, like, what, season three yeah. of Supernatural? And he plays Tony Kajic in this. But in Arrow, he plays Lance, something Lance, I can't remember his yeah. first name. And she plays uh, Laura Lance, his daughter. Mm. So I'm sitting there going, like... That's bizarre, because I was hoping you were going to say a media that I've seen, but I've never... He has been in a bunch. I've only stuff. watched a little... I think I watched, like, maybe the first couple episodes of Arrow, like, way back when I was in high school. He is in the first few episodes of Arrow. Hmm. I'm not sure then. Um, but anyway, Benton but no, Lance. I did... Benton Lance is his name. I did think he looked fucking familiar. It really bothered me, actually, the whole episode. So, I don't know. Maybe I've seen him somewhere else. Okay. I did want to do a quick mention for some directing and camera choices in this episode. Yeah. So, in the scene, sort of in the back half, maybe like the last third of the episode, when they are sitting around... I think they're in the bar. I can't quite remember where they are. But... Basically, uh, Nate is, like, completely disregarding all of the team's concerns and everyone is sort of, like, trying to, like, put their two cents in and he's just, like, basically saying no to all of them. And it's a very quick scene. Like, there are lots of quick cuts and it's all very, like, close-up shots and it's, like, everyone's, like, right in their faces and, like, the angles are changing and, like, I thought it was a really, really, really well done because it really highlighted both the tension and also the urgency of the scene. And it also just highlighted the dysfunction as well. And just the way that, like, the way that the camera was moving, it felt like almost a visual representation of, like, the neurons firing in Nate's brain. Like, just jumping from point to point to point to point to point and just not quite connecting anything. And it just, I don't know if it was just me who felt that way, but... I just felt like that particular scene, just the way that it was shot and directed was just so perfect for the type of scene that it was. And I think it conveyed the tone and the emotion so perfectly. And I just really wanted to mention it because like, I like kudos to, I don't actually know who the director was for this episode. Although I did, oh wait, no, yes I do. It was directed by one of the creators because I recognize their name in the credits. John Rogers? I no, mean. the other one. Dean Devlin. Dean Devlin. It was, it, how did I remember that? It was directed by Dean Devlin because I remember in the credits, I was like, oh, that's like the creator, yeah. one of the creators is directing this episode must be like a big deal. And so, yeah, that, that bit, kudos to him yeah. because I think it was phenomenal. It was such, it was just the perfect encapsulation of the energy in that scene. Peak. Peak. A plus. Yes. Mm. Oh, uh, I have a couple of, like, one-liners that I want to yep. shout out. Yeah, let, let, I can trade off one-liners with you. Okay, one. great. Sounds like, sounds like a plan. Yeah. Uh, Parker, I never get to do anything fun, she says, seconds before throwing herself off of a building. <laughs> she just, she loves throwing, like, jumping off of buildings so much. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so much. Okay, I really quickly just want to, like, Shout out to I think we've lost Elliot until the playoffs. Oh my god, yes. Hilarious. Elliot's whole stint on the baseball team. Yeah. I adore it. There is a there is a head cannon out there that now Elliot has a baseball card somewhere <laughs> with his face on it. 
which is really fun when we meet another character down the line because like it's an it's a headcanon that this character gets an Elliot baseball card and is really confused. Obsessed with that. I will bring that up when we meet that oh, character. Oh, I'm so excited because I love that Elliot is like a micro-celebrity now. Yeah. I think that's so fun. I also very quickly want to talk about how it breaks my heart a little bit that Elliot was upset that everyone left and didn't wait to watch him finish the game because he, like, and here's the thing, like, I get that it's kind of like a bit, right? But I actually think it's kind of heartbreaking because it's like as if, like, I mean, we were theater kids. Yeah. If we had gone to a, like, we were doing a performance, right, at school or something and, like, our friends came or whatever, but we had asked them to come, like, to help out, like, backstage with something, and then they didn't go into the audience to watch us perform, and they just fucked off after they'd finished their obligation. Like, that sucks. That's so mean. And, like, he just wanted them to be, like, proud of him for doing a good job. Like, they just... he Elliot just wanted his family to see him do good at his new hobby. And... It is so sad. But he doesn't like baseball. Because you can't score on defense. He is stubborn as hell. Anyway. And then he hits the first baseball. He's like, hey. He's like, oh, I get to hit stuff. (laughs) Yeah. No, anyway, sorry. I do really quickly want to shout out. um, They named a sandwich after me. Oh, yes. (laughs) Like. I also love that Hardison gives him like a little fist bump. Like, was it a Reuben? (laughs) It's very fun. And Hardison's like, I'm, I'm explaining the con. And he's like, yeah, I don't give a shit, mate. They named a sandwich after Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that little interaction. I also love, that's what the inside of an Easy Bake Oven looks like. <laughs> I also love that he gets recognized as Roy Chappell. Yes. That's what I mean when I say he's like, a little micro-celebrity now. Yeah. Obsessed with that concept. You want to know what's funny? What? We're going to get micro-celebrity Elliot another three or four times. Oh as, my god. As Roy? No. Oh. As completely different aliases. So you know there's someone on the internet. You know how, like, we talk about Supernatural. There's 12 and different Wikipedia pages all for one man. <laughs> yeah. You know how we talk about on, like, Supernatural, how, like, there's probably, like, a true crime community blog following the Winchesters and trying to work it out. Yeah. There's probably the same thing for Elliot. Because That's so funny. Because he's now famous for bar- baseball, right? Yeah. He, he has, I think... Two other instances where he becomes famous for two other things. Not baseball, just other things. <laughs> I love that. So, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's a whole thing. I am obsessed with that. Okay, I cannot wait to learn what those things are. I, oh, I, I think my favourite quote of the episode goes to Parker. Yeah. And that quote is, these beans are made of guns and hand grenades. <laughs> Which is just so funny. I these beans are made of guns, like got me, and then they're like paws and the and hand grenades, and I was like, this is hilarious. This is peak Parker energy, peak humor. Followed not even wow. five minutes later by we need a discreet action. Well, we did find a whole bunch of explosives. Yeah, like, <laughs> we just yeah. need a delivery system. Exactly. Oh, and Elliot saying, "I'm a role model." Like, and him being, like, a little bit, like, hee-hee. And his little, like, as he, like, phantomimes, like, hitting a baseball. Yeah, like. yeah. Also, uh, it's AAA ball, still got to have a day job. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, no, this episode was so fun. 
Like, as much as, as much as watching Nate was really frustrating, and when we get to my rating, I will admit I have docked points for the frustration I felt at watching Nate. But the frustration is the point. Yes. That, like, to be clear, just because, like, Yes, it annoys you when it made your watching experience worse, which is absolutely fine. I dock points for that all the time over on the Supernatural podcast. Yeah. But it is – I think it is still important to acknowledge – Oh, yeah, it's intentional. The point is that Nate is spiralling, that Nate is annoying, that Nate is not who he is. Like, he is yeah. not who he normally is. He's out of it. He's mm. not – And also, like, as a general caveat, and this goes for both our podcasts, and I think we've mentioned it a couple times before, but, like, the ratings are subjective. It's my opinion – like the ratings are bullshit. Like, the ratings mean nothing. <laughs> objectively, they mean nothing. I would I go say th- I could be like, oh yeah, I rate it six celery sticks yeah. out of an apple tree, and that would be as valid as saying I give it a three out of five. Yeah. Like it means literally nothing. <laughs> um, really, the ratings are based solely on did I vibe during this episode? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, and to yes. what extent did I vibe during the episode? Yeah, like, and so yes. Nate is annoying. I recognize the narrative importance of him being annoying. Yeah. Like, I do understand it. However, he was still annoying fundamentally. Yeah. And so, yes. But I do want to make a point, though. Even though he is being really annoying and even though he is overstepping boundaries with Sophie and even though he is clearly not in his right mind, he does make an interesting point that I do kind of want to touch on, mm-hmm. which is when he's leaving that fifth message for Sophie and he's talking about how you don't find yourself by wandering the globe or whatever. Mm. And he says, no one knows who they are. And then he goes on to say life, like you think you know who you are and then something happens. Like life just surprises you like that. And I actually think he has a point Mm -hmm. because there seems to be this whole kind of mentality of like, you know, that thing where people are like, Oh, you'll understand when you're older. But like, the thing is you don't just like turn 18 or turn 21 and suddenly grasp an innate knowledge of the universe. Like that doesn't fucking happen. So when people say, Oh, you'll get it when you're older, it's like, no, no, you have to teach me because I don't currently know it, but you know it. And that's how this exchange works, you know? And so I do think it is interesting this concept of being like, oh, you have to find yourself and know yourself. And it's like, I can know myself right now in this instant, but I will be a new person tomorrow. Yeah. And every new experience that you have, particularly like major life changes, like yeah. if you move or if you enter or leave a relationship or like regardless of what the nature of that relationship is, uh, or you change job or you have a child or you lose someone or, you know, all of these things make you into a different person. And because they are huge major changes and depending on how you are right before that change happens, like if I'm doing pretty good and I'm in a good place and then something terrible happens, like I have a car accident and, you know, something like I, I ha- my car is totaled, I'm going to have a different reaction than if I was already super stressed or really sick or had just had a like, family death or something and then had a car accident. Like it is so dependent on where you are when that shitty thing happens or that good thing happens as to how you as a person respond to that. And in some instances you will surprise yourself. And so I think that even though he is spiraling and even though like it is important to like have a fundamental understanding of who you are in the sense of what you value and what you want and what type of person you want to be and how you want to impact those around you, it is pretty much impossible to know to a T, who you are and what your place in the world is, because that is an ever-shifting thing. It's constantly evolving. 
And if your idea of who you are as a person isn't changing constantly, or at least pretty constantly, it's probably a problem. Like, it should be. That's what growth is. And, I don't know, I'm probably getting a little bit too into the serious side Too of deep for the pod. Too deep for the pod. Not a silly little tee-hee-ha-ha. But I do think it's important to note, like, even mm. though it's coming from, like, a place of desperation and actually manipulation like he wants yeah. her to come back is the thing yeah and it's a shitty thing for him to say to her in given the context but i do think he has kind of a point just because he's technically right doesn't mean doesn't justify it. no yeah doesn't mean that it's the right thing to say to her yeah or the right time for it or the right context like it's a conversation he could have with her yeah if she came to him and was saying like i'm i've done all the things i'm supposed to do and i'm still confused and i still don't know then saying no one knows who they are it's you know it's impossible like that is a yeah. context in which you could have that conversation but this is not the right context this is him being drunk this is him yeah. being desperate this is him trying to con her into feeling bad and guilt her into coming back and it's just nasty yeah um it's belittling what she's trying to do while we're talking about nasty and belittling i think we've got to talk about sterling <laughs> okay love that um, segue first up did you hear sterling's cue there's entrance music this week. I did. It is recurring. If you hear that music, Sterling is coming. Okay. That You only ever hear that when Sterling is in vicinity, when yes. Sterling is about to appear. It is really fun, really, really cool, I think, that he gets his own entrance piece of music and it plays almost every time we see him enter yeah. the shop. Um, and I also want to talk about, A, Sterling is interval because I think it's very, very fun. Mm-hmm. B, Sterling's arrival as, like, a way to add stakes immediately to the episode. Yes. Because I am I love every time Sterling shows up. It just, it feels like it just adds a whole extra dimension. Like, it feels like going from playing checkers to playing chess to playing 3D chess, yeah. you know? And it's so fun. And it adds, it adds stakes and adds tension, but in a way that's kind of fun. Because you ultimately know that, like, Sterling and Nate have this kind of back and forth, like, yeah. rapport. And, like, neither of them – here's the thing. This – I might be wrong. This might – this is just my interpretation. I don't think either Nate or Sterling actually want to take the other off the board completely because I think it is too much fun for yes. them. Taking – like, if Nate was to take Sterling off or mm-hmm. Sterling was to take Nate off the board – they would be bored. Yeah, it's almost like Sherlock Moriarty. Yeah, like they fundamentally are like, oh, they like, hate we have each a, other. We have but... opposing motives and opposing like we don't want to achieve the same thing most of the time. But like you are the most challenge, like you are the biggest challenge I yeah. have, and I need that. And like, for me, that is fun. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think, I don't think that Sterling would ever actually fully throw Nate under the bus yes and i don't think that nate would ever fully throw sterling under the Mm. bus and so it raises the tension but it raises it in a way where i'm like oh how are they going to play this because i don't think that they actually want to foil the other person completely they just want to foil them enough to humiliate them yeah and i think that is so much more interesting it's about them winning versus making the other person lose yes like they want to win but they don't want to like they, they don't necessarily want it to be another person's doesn't want to throw, throw Nate into jail. Like, yeah. if Nate's in jail, how then the fuck he's is he bored? Yeah, like, yeah. If Nate gets, if he puts Nate in jail, then he's just making more work for himself because he's got to find a way to get Nate out exactly. of jail. Because like, <laughs> he has no one, 
if they if they completely remove the other one, they have no one to play chess with. Yeah. And like, yes, they play chess with other people, but everyone else is kind of fucking dumb. Yeah. And it's not as enjoyable because everyone else is fucking dumb. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's this really fun thing of like, this is why I love Sterling in Interpol because it feels like a threat, but it also feels like an ally. Like, it is both. Because they've just given Sterling more legitimate power. Yeah. And that way, Sterling has more, like, sway in terms of, like, if he wants to, like, interrupt a con they're running. But he also has more sway if he wants to help them with a con they're running. As evidenced in the Zanzibar Marketplace job. In which he enlisted the help of the team. And then you get this episode where it's pretty well implied that he's now now playing against Nadia. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's just so fun. And it's so, like, it's so morally grey. And that's really interesting in a show which is all about the ethics and morality of the whole, like, yeah, the whole concept is based in. And so to have a character who is morally grey and can equally play for both sides of that spectrum, and it's like a 50-50 on which one it's going to be today, it's, it's so fun. And while we are talking about Nate and Sterling, we've, of course, got the drink theory of whoever is giving the drink that's all baked in there as well. I want to add an interesting layer, though, today. I don't know Ooh. if you've noticed. Tara stole Nate's drink. Yes, she did, and she downed it, and I was like, and she downed I it. love it. And I don't think I've ever actually thought about this before, but for me, that's a really interesting, like, obviously you don't know where the next episode's going, um, and there are certain events in that episode that I cannot tell you about, but from a perspective of Tara essentially taking the power from Nate Mm -hmm. because he didn't hand her the drink. He's not in control. He's not handing her. She takes the drink. And I think that's really interesting when you think about that as like – It's exactly like when she took the sandwich a couple episodes ago. Yeah. And she didn't have to actually say anything. She just took it and Mm -hmm. let the other guy ruin himself. It's the same concept. And here's the thing, right? Tara in this episode, and actually I wasn't going to bring this up because I thought it was kind of inconsequential, but now that you've said that, I'm going to, which is when Parker is in the mayor's office and she's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, someone's coming in, and Tara walks her through the scenario. She does the Sophie thing. She does the Sophie thing. And Parker says initially, like, oh, I can't do it. Like, Sophie always walks me through it. And so Tara walks her through it. And then she has that little interaction at the end where she sees, like, she says, like, See, like, sometimes it's worth trusting me kind of thing. And Parker has that little, like, you know, smile kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, sort of thing. And I do think it's really interesting that that happened in the same episode as what we were just talking about, which is, like, Tara, like, taking the yeah. drink from Nate. like Because it, I would argue that she's only just starting to actually fully earn the team's trust at this point. Yeah, and it's just, oh, it's interesting because it makes me wonder. We're coming up to the very end of the season. Yeah. We've got, like, what, two episodes left? One. What? Oh, Next shit, week is the, right, the finale. finale. Fuck. Okay. So this is probably getting a little bit too into predictions. Yeah. But I'm thinking that, I mean, I think I said a couple episodes ago, I'm expecting that we'll get to see Sophie before the, for the finale. Like I'm expecting that she will be there at least in some capacity. The fact that she didn't, we didn't even get a cameo from her at all in this episode is interesting. Makes sense when you see the next episode. Okay. Fantastic. There is a reason for it. Cool. I, I mean, I assumed there would be. Yeah. But, um, I do wonder if this is silly but you know on like television shows like survivor or whatever and they like have like a council meeting and they like vote someone out (laughs) like i'm kind of wondering like i think i said this a little while ago but like i feel like there's maybe a divide coming 
I'm wondering if this is going to be the moment where they're like, do we exile Nate? Like, is he too much of a threat mm-hmm. to the actual foundations yeah. of the team? And like, to like, is he too much of a compromising factor in our mm-hmm. safety? Because like his whole argument um, through a lot of this episode was like, no, like this is a bad guy. We're taking down the bad guy. Like why else do we do this? And like, you get some like reactive shots between the team. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my interpretation of that is they're like, because we like it, because we have a relationship, because it's fun. But, but also the reason they so take down bad in. guys isn't because they want to take down bad guys. The reason they take down bad guys is to help good people. Yeah, exactly. And, like, there is so many – there's such a nuance to why they do these things. And part of it is built into, like, ethics and morals. Like, at the start of the season, yeah. they're like, you know, you took a bunch of criminals and you made us have feelings or whatever. And it's, you know, it's funny. Yeah. But also it's weirdly true. Yeah. But it's also about the fact that they enjoy working together. And we've touched on this so much is that they don't want to be alone. They don't want to be isolated. They were alone. Like, basically everyone but Hardison prior to the, like, Hardison and Nate. Sophie, Elliot, Parker. Those three people prior to the start of Leverage had been alone for, I would say, at least a decade each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they would occasionally work with other people, but, like... Not for long term. Not for long term. They wouldn't actually trust the people that they really work with. Um, Each of them has, like, an exception that we will learn about moving forward. We do meet some people from their past. Well, I would assume but, that maybe Tara is an exception yeah. for Sophie. Like, they obviously have a long-standing rapport yeah. kind of thing. But, yeah, it's... I think that Nate, in his, in his drunken stupor, mm. is fundamentally misunderstanding a lot of the team's motivation. And I think that really comes back to this whole concept of Nate being like, I'm not a thief and like trying to separate himself. And actually this is really relevant to something we were just talking about over on Wayward Parents, but it's this concept of trying to live between two worlds. Mm. Nate is trying to live in a world where he's running these cons and he is a criminal. Mm -hmm. And also in this world where he gets to pretend he is this good, moral, upstanding citizen. And it's like, you cannot be happy without, like... He's trying to live in both the black and the white without acknowledging any grey. Yeah, and the thing is, you can do that. You can effectively live in that grey area, but the only way you can actually achieve it is to acknowledge both the black and the white. You can't just pretend one of them doesn't exist. And... This is so f- hilariously relevant but uh, to the Winchesters. But that is sort of the concept that I think Nate is kind of missing. Like, he can be, like, a moral upstanding citizen. Mm. He is. But he also has to be able to recognise that a lot of his means are not that of the usual moral upstanding citizen. They are, in fact, the means of a criminal. Mm. And, like, you know... it. He just, I think he needs to reconcile within himself the fact that he needs both facets of that to be the person that he is and to be happy with the person he is. And that comes back to what you said earlier, referencing that conversation with Maggie, where she says, you know, I like who you've become, but I wish that you did. Yeah. And sorry, I am rambling. No, no, that's okay. I was, when you're done rambling, my only comment will be no comment. I do not want to ruin your viewing experience of the next episode. Oh, Oh, am I on to something? Do my thoughts have, like, am I going to be validated? You're going... Do my thoughts have merit? Um, 
<laughs> it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to elaborate. Like, obviously, spoiler territory. You don't have to actually tell me. But I'm You're excited. definitely talking about things that will be relevant. Okay. And also addressed in the next episode. Oh, fun. Okay. So I'm not giving you any. Yeah, don't else, your name but... but they are relevant and they are addressed. Excellent. And you are talking about themes that will be quite prominent in the next episode. Um, and some of the stuff that you've said has been fucking hilarious with future context. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> that either means I'm on the money or I'm fucking wrong. <laughs> it's got to be one or the other. <laughs> so I am like, okay. I I don't want to say anything because is that why you were letting me ramble? Yes, I was. I was 100 <laughs> just letting you ramble because I'm sitting here like you're like when she's done. To... I'll just be like respectfully. No comment. You're just like panning for gold. You're just, like, just like, if I just keep sifting through this rock. If, if, if I just let her rant for long enough, she'll say three other things that are either weirdly fucking psychic or weirdly fucking funny. You know that thing where it's like, if you put a monkey with a keyboard long enough, it'll eventually type out an entirety of one of Shakespeare's sonnets. Yeah. I'm the monkey. Yeah. <laughs> I am this close to being like, hey, after we play We Fit, do you want to watch the next Leverage episode and record a double feature today? Because, like, I know we just had a chat about sounding boundaries, but also I I cannot wait for you to okay. see the next episode after that. All right. I'm pumped for next week I then. cannot wait. Like, I am, like, this close to being like, nah, fuck Supernatural. We're doing, like, a double feature <laughs> leverage today. We are going and watching the next episode, and I am sitting there and watching your reactions in real time <laughs> as you process exactly how they wrap up all of these storylines. Oh, no. The way that you're talking about this makes me feel like I'm going to need five to seven business days to process next week's episode. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I like, love that. Um, okay. So we're kind of coming to the wrap up of the yeah. episode, but we've got a couple more points. We're going to trade back and forth yeah. rapid fire style. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly at the top of the episode, when they're shooting at that car, I feel like the bullets would have gone through the car door. I don't know if I just don't know how thick car doors are, but I'm like, I feel like that guy is probably dead. Yeah. You hand wavy TV magic, yeah. but I was like, mm, yeah, okay. to be fair, he is like, hospitalized like the injuries are so bad like True, barely clinging on to life but i don't think he gets shot like for that until he gets out of the car mm. but i was like i don't feel like the car's door's doing that much buddy anyway okay it on. anyway i just quickly want to say i do not hardison goes the van's not even under warranty still i don't think that cu- gets covered under warranty <laughs> like i just don't like i'm really sorry to hardison but i don't think it gets covered under warranty <laughs> Um, I want to do a quick shout out to Tara. Fucking finally, someone is subtly talking into these earpieces in a public space. Mm-hmm. She gets up, she excuses herself from the table, she moves away from the mass of the crowd, and she turns to look out a window or something so she's not facing people while she speaks subtly to herself, quietly. Perfect, beautiful. Why can't everyone do this every time? An icon. I also just really, really quickly want to shout out Nate's tiny little. What an ordeal as he gets into the car after yeah. like, they've all pretended to be hostages. And he says it with so little emotion. He's like, what an ordeal. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. And then they switch seats and he drives away. Like, Yeah. Fucking iconic. Um, also on Nate, my last little point is that he is dressed kind of cascoded. And that upsets me greatly. 
I would like to point out, though, that I don't think he's cast-coded. I think he's Jimmy Novak-coded. Okay. <laughs> and I'll take that. Because he doesn't have the head tilt thing going. But he you're does so- have the blue eyes and the hair. You're so correct. And, like, the tan coat and the blue tie. Mm, and the willingness to hit someone in the head with a heavy object. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, holy shit, we haven't even talked about something that is actually quite significant. Fucking Nate is ready to murder the dude. Oh, yeah. And Tara's like, if you're going to murder him, murder him. We need to get out of here. I don't care if you murder him or not. Yeah. We just gotta go. Yeah. Which is a wild take from Tara. <laughs> she is an icon and I love her. Mm, yeah. Anyway, I think that I think that's yeah, everything. I'm done. You're done? I think oh, uh I do wanna very, very quickly, just something that did make me laugh in the episode, when they're all leaving pretending to be hostages, the mayor when he runs out of the building, he looks so funny. I don't know, he's just the way he is running, it kind of reminds me of, like, a velociraptor, like, with the hands in front, and he just kind of, like, runs to the- Anyway, I don't think it's funny. Something about it. Just, like, the way that <laughs> he moved coming out of that room. It was just entertaining to me. I get that he's scared and blindfolded and, like, tied together. I, you know, I get it, but I do also think it was kind of funny. Okay, lovely. I'm out of points. You're out of points? I'm out of points. What would you rate this episode? Okay. I- I did enjoy this episode- I did not enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed most of the other episodes in this season. I am going to dock at points for the flashback because I just fucking hate it. Fair and valid. However, I will probably reinstate a little bit of that for the directing choices that I loved, particularly in that one scene. We get some incredible one-liners. We get Hardison playing bits. We get Elliot and his new little hobby. We get Parker being excellent as always. Okay. I think I'm going to give it a 3.5. Which okay. I was leaning, yeah. I was leaning towards a four. Yeah. But I think I was leaning towards a four because I've enjoyed our conversation yeah. about the episode mm-hmm. more than I actually enjoyed the episode itself. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go with 3.5. I think it's solid because of the Nate stuff. It is not one I will be coming no. back to in any hurry. Mm-hmm. But I did love everything else. Yes. No. Fair and valid. Lovely. So I'm going to lead into this with a little bit. So you know how I've been saying that there's all these little tiny foreshadowy moments that aren't really foreshadowing because they're not actually connected. They're just like little cool cool outs ahead yes. of time. Do you remember last episode when Tara makes the point that she thinks the lady's husband is cheating on her because she's a woman in her late 40s and she's not looking for the Maltese Falcon? The oh. next episode is called The Maltese Falcon Job. They also reference the Maltese Falcon in this episode mm-hmm. because it's on the piece of paper yeah. and Elliot's like, I, do you know what is so funny is I – was because I didn't even mention this. Oh, my God. So the piece of paper that Elliot has, and they make a point of him being like, no, this means something, Mm -hmm. right? It said, like, the I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's the the Kirsch? K-I-R-S-C-H? Yeah, the the company. Yes. So and I recognised that it was written on the door of the warehouse that went into it. I was like, oh, this is, like, the thing. And And they do talk about Kirsch Industries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and I also, like, when Elliot was like, oh, this means something, I was like, yeah, I feel like I remember that. And... Like we said earlier, it's been a couple of weeks. I did yeah. not remember where I knew it from. No, but, but they I was, literally I was say also like, she's yeah. not looking for the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. So I just wanted to quickly point out, again, like it's something like they mentioned Bellbridge really offhandedly earlier. Yeah. It's not actually directly related to it. It's just like little references yeah. and callbacks to sort of subtly hint cool. at where they're going with the season. And I want to put it out there. I have no idea what the Maltese Falcon yeah. is. Like, I don't know if it's like a common term that's like referencing something. I don't It's a movie. Think. Okay, because when I hear it, mm-hmm. I think of um, and a book. I think I think of the uh, Millennial Falcon. Okay, like I that's what I think of. Star Wars. Yes, 
I don't know what the Maltese Falcon is. So anyway, just wanted to put that out there in case it feels like an obvious reference that I'm not discussing. I have no idea what it's about. And I feel like the Millennial Falcon is probably less relevant unless what they're looking for is a big old spaceship with a Wookiee and Han Solo inside. Yeah, so it is a movie where they're looking for a statue. It's a oh, like, so like it's Indiana a, Jones type. It's like a, a film noir PI looks for oh, sort of situation. Okie dokies, okie dokies. Like it literally stars Humphrey Bogart. Okay, it's a nineteen thirties novel as well. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So is that your prediction for next week then? Or? Oh, yeah. I, didn't, I, <laughs> I was like, none of that actually sounded like a prediction. No. Um, what's next week's episode called? The Maltese Falcon Job. Oh, it is. That's called, why I brought it up. Right. I'm literally one. the next episode yeah. is called The Maltese I, Falcon Job. I just got so distracted by the Millennial Falcon. Mm. Millennium Falcon? Yeah. Can't remember. Anyway, point is I got distracted. Oh, okay. Well, Sterling's in it. Obviously, Interpol's in it. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I have a feeling that they may try to pull that whole we're splitting up thing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of, like, you know, they're having to pull, they've got the FBI mm-hmm. on them yeah. and, like, all this stuff, like, and they're probably going to have to be like, oh, we have to, like, lay low until the heat dies down yeah. or whatever. I kind of hope they don't mm-hmm. because that's really annoying because it'll mean that they will have done it, this will be the third time. Yeah. And I will find it repetitive yeah. and ultimately pointless because we know now, even, like, for example, if this was the series finale and they did that, I would be like, for fu- like, you've proved to us over and over again that this is not, you're going to come back to each other. Mm-hmm. This is now, the, this would be the third repetition. So I really hope they don't do that. Um, like, I would get it if they did. Yeah. Because it makes logical sense to have to lie low or whatever. But I would also be like, for f- like, come on. So I really hope that they find a way to do that that feels original. Yeah. Like, a way for them mm-hmm. to lie low that does not feel like it's just a repetition of the same thing they've already done yep. twice. I do think... I I really want them to address Nate's current spiral. Yep. Obviously, I assume we will find out what's happening with Sophie. Uh-huh. And I hope that... I hope that the team, and I mean the whole team, collectively and individually really get an opportunity to voice their frustrations with Nate. And I hope to God he actually pays attention because I think that they deserve to have that opportunity to tell him about the problems that they're having with his management while he's under the influence. And I hope that he understands the severity of his actions, but also the severity of the likelihood that he is going to cause them to walk away. Yeah. So basically I'm expecting it to be, a. I don't really know what to expect from the plot. I assume they'll wrap yeah. up the plot that they're doing now. Yeah. I assume it'll be like a big deal because it's got the FBI and Interpol or what, yeah. like I assume it'll be very like intense. Now they know they're not just taking down a corrupt mayor. They've also got to try and work around Interpol and the FBI. Yes. I assume so it will be a jam packed season finale, yeah. but I actually am expecting that to be more of a B plot. Yeah. To make way for the A plot, which is all of the character stuff. Because that's what they're featured predominantly this season. Yes. And also everyone right now is in such a tense place and everyone has a right to be. Mm -hmm. So, and also Sophie, we don't even know where Sophie is. So I am assuming that it's going to be super, super fast paced, super jam packed. But I do think that the actual plot is going to take a back burner and we're going to focus on the 
season finale characters i think the series this series the season finale aspect i think is actually going to come from the relationships and the tensions at stake there more so Mm -hmm. than it's going to come from the actual con that they're running i think that's going to be kind of like a it's happening but it's not the point yeah yeah okay lovely i think we're gonna wrap up there if you want to interact with us at all you can find us on various social media sites whole bunch of links in the description for you to be able to find us elsewhere Mm. come chat if you want to chat to us i look by the time this episode is posted beth will be ahead of where she is now Go and talk to her about her predictions for next week's episode. Oh, yeah. Go and talk to her about how they wrap up the season finale. She will know. She will be there. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Come chat in Discord. We can have a big group discussion. Because, yeah, you've just listened to what I've listened to. You know. Oh, spicy. Clearly I've said some things. I don't know if my, maybe my my takes are either on the money or they are controversial. (laughs) One of the two. If you wanted to talk to us about anything else, some other topics could include things such as, oh, you could rate which of the flashbacks are the worst. Like, in order of when we see flashbacks. Because some we get shorter versions of flashbacks, we get longer versions of the flashbacks. When are they relevant and when are they not? Yes. Because sometimes context does it as well. Yes. I would love to know what other people think about the flashback. If you like the flashback, I'd love to hear you too. Like, I would love to hear your opinion on why you like it. Maybe I can be swayed to not hate it so much. My hopes aren't high on that one, but maybe someone might have an interpretation that makes me think about it differently. Mm. But yeah, talk to me about the flashback. It's been a hot minute since we worried about it. But thank you so much for listening today. Have a lovely afternoon, evening, lunch, brunch, midnight, 3am, second breakfast. Elevensies. Elevensies. And we hope to see you again next week when you hopefully listen to our episode on the Maltese Falcon Job. Bye. Bye.